Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. The other week, there was a strange scene playing out just around the corner from our offices here in Toronto. But four or five women were standing on a downtown street corner trying to inflate something that, that looked like a giant red balloon. But they were struggling with it. It says it does it by itself, right? Yeah. It says it will help you, but it's not necessary. It doesn't sound like it. There's two large openings. This is the craziest thing I've seen. Our reporter, Cherie Sutrin, and our editor-in-chief, Karen Pugliese, watched this scene unfold. They tell me it was actually a flimsy blow-up mattress with the name of a vodka brand written across it in giant letters. See, they've got them all? Yeah. And they're mattresses. It says Smirnoff on them, which is hilarious. Like the vodka? Yeah. <laughs> The women were referring to an instruction sheet and then a YouTube video, but they still seemed confused. It just gave us this uh, paper here and uh, didn't say a lot. It's really not descriptive. No, it isn't. It's like worse than Ikea. Definitely. Yeah, this is definitely worse than Ikea. (laughs) 
Frustrated, one of them decides to try something different. She holds the deflated mattress open over her head and tries to fill it up by running down the busy sidewalk and waving it from side to side. Yeah, yeah, look, it is working. It's working. It's working, guys. It's working. She got it. She got it. She got it. It's working. Okay, I need more, but it's coming. No, but I have to keep going from side to side to keep filling it. Yeah. Okay. Is it good? Yeah. It's good, right? There you go. There you go. We figured it out. Okay. Let's do some more. This actually works. Success. But then when another woman tries to sit on the mattress, it collapses in the middle, and she rolls to the ground. There are 10 more to go. And on the sidewalk, outside of 129 Peter Street, those 10 flimsy air mattresses were what a group of people were depending on for a decent night's sleep. They were donated to us, so we just got as many as we could so that they're not on the floor. So are you volunteers? Ah, uh, yeah, we're, we're just doing it. This scene that I'm painting for you, this sad, half-inflated mattress, people on the sidewalk waiting to sleep on the streets, the job not getting done well enough on one mattress when there's 10 more mattresses, the people waiting to sleep on those mattresses are refugees. And the scene that played out is a symbol of a much bigger story. It's a symbol of Canada's attempts to address an alarming influx of refugees. The whole thing appears to be a chaos of donations, volunteer efforts, politicians, religious groups, and a meager pot of government funding. Here's what happened. Up until June, Toronto's shelter system would accept asylum seekers, in addition to unhoused Canadians. But the number of refugees who are making use of the shelter system has been exploding. Over the past 20 months, the number of asylum seekers in Toronto's shelter system has multiplied by more than 500%. From a low of about 530 people per night in September 2021 to over 2,800 in May 2023. We are asking the federal government to provide Toronto with the same financial considerations as other municipalities, such as Peel, and Niagara, where it funds and operates refugees and asylum seeker-specific hotels. And this past June, the city said, that's enough, we can't do this anymore. The deputy mayor decided that they would no longer accept asylum seekers in many Toronto city shelters. The hope was that by putting these people out onto the streets, they would increase the pressure on the federal government. And so a crowd of refugees, mostly from Africa, ended up sleeping outside the shelter office at a busy intersection night after night. A couple of churches stepped in to provide a place to sleep, but soon those too began to overflow. And yet the strategy worked. The federal government announced $212 million would be going towards helping asylum seekers. And this was followed by new mayor Olivia Chow opening up 250 new shelter spaces. And yet the crowd outside of 129 Peter Street remained. Many did not know where to go, who to call, or who to trust in the chaos. And all that some of them had to sleep on were those randomly donated Smirnoff mattresses assembled on the side of the street by some well-meaning volunteers with the aid of a YouTube video. Our team spent the day and night with those asylum seekers, 
trying to understand what it is like for them to navigate such a broken system and to try to just find a place to sleep for the night. We're going to join them there. Wait for it. This episode is brought to you by Michaela Stang, Rebecca O'Brien, Yvonne Mensah, Mary LaRose, Nadine Benny, Stephen Muirhead, Catherine Davidson, and Ellen. Hi there, it's Ellen Roseman, a longtime print journalist in Toronto with The Globe and Mail and The Toronto Star. I have supported Canada Land probably since the very beginning because I like what you do in trying to increase people's ability to understand what the media are saying and doing. So happy anniversary, Canada Land. I hope you continue for another 10 great years. My name is Mahmoud. And what's your name? Mohammed. We're talking to two friends from Sudan. They're the first people we've met today that didn't run away from our microphones. And they're both carrying small backpacks, like a lot of the people here at the encampment. Karen and I have been curious about what people might be carrying with them from home. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Yes. I'm just curious, what have you guys got in your bags? Is that stuff that you brought with you, or did somebody give you stuff? Or? Mm, no, is we buy it. Yeah. When we go out from a forest, nothing with you. It's all t-shirts. Mahmoud, the taller one of the pair, opens his jacket to show us a lime green shirt that says Panama with a picture of a toucan. It's like one of those shirts you'd buy from a tourist shop while you're on vacation. You bought that in Panama? No. This is the organization. You ain't give us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Panama you give me? Yes, in Panama forest. So maybe not a vacation then. What was happening in the forest? Where is this? Uh, it's in between Panama and Colombia. Okay. It's like when you get to Panama, you have to get this, cross this uh, forest first. Some people going one week, two weeks, some people two days, three days. As your body can do. It's a bad situation. It's bad. In the middle of the forest. How many people were there? It's like More. thousand. More. Like thousand. Venezuela. Uh, Turkey, Sudan, Africa, more people. Afghanistan. In the uh, forest? Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, for me, me, I live in the um, forest four days, three nights. What did you eat? Uh, sometimes basket, sometimes tuna. It's like fasting. It's like fasting. This forest he's talking about, I've actually heard of it before. It's a border crossing between Colombia and Panama called the Darien Gap. And it goes over mountains, swamps, valleys. It's notorious for being pretty dangerous. The next day, minds were racing with one question. Will we make it out of here? There were foreboding reminders of those who did not. They reported losing dozens of people washed away in the current. A group of five to seven mafias came to us. They pointed a gun towards us and took away our bags and everything. They left nothing for us. They even took away our food. Last year, hundreds of thousands of migrants actually attempted that crossing, trying to get from places all over the world into North America. And that number is increasing. But how did they get to the Darien Gap from Sudan? Uh, 11 countries, 
start from Sudan, Sudan to Egypt, and uh, after I go to Egypt, I go Turkish, Turkish Ecuador, Ecuador uh, Colombia, Colombia uh, Panama, Panama Algaba forest, during forest, after uh, Panama um, Costa Rica, Costa Rica uh, Nicaragua, uh, Nicaragua. Honduras, Guatemala, Guatemala, Mexico, American, Canada. How did you get here from America? We get to buy a forest for work. Work. Yeah, work. Where? It's like I got this Montreal. Was this the um, Roxham Road? No, not no. Roxham Road. No. Uh, I'm not sure actually, but we get point in our maps and go ahead. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Since the Safe Third Country Agreement was expanded to close land crossings like Roxham Road, immigration experts have said that asylum seekers are going to try to find hidden, more dangerous paths across the Canada-U.S. border. From the sounds of it, Mahmoud is one of those people. How did you know? meet? Like a Scarborough station. Scarborough station? Yeah, <laughs> train station. How did, how did what connected you? We are Sudanese, we know each other. Just I can look you, I you, know you it's your Sudanese. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I am only, only, only here. Not, no, nobody Sudanese, only me and him. Oh. Yes. <laughs> there must be some Sudanese magic joining these two because they actually don't look alike at all. Mohammed is shorter and looks to be of African descent, and Mahmoud is a bit taller and looks like he's of Middle Eastern descent. Mahmoud explained that he'd spent a few nights in the shelters in Toronto, but space was hard to come by. And the substances going on there made him feel like they weren't really meant to support refugees. Um, I heard some people were taken to a church, um, that some people in the community stepped in. There's a church that they are staying at. Did you hear about the church? Some organization is like, give us over, can come and stay two days, three days, but it's not a solution. Where yeah. have you been sleeping? <laughs> yeah, I sleep in the park and the uh, station, and the meet, um, metro. Metro. Sometimes I sleep near the mosque. Sometimes I sleep in the near the bank for a subway for you know subway near this is a shop. I sleep there. Any corner safety night, but if you don't see somebody from homeless and like that, I sleep. I put it like that. <laughs> sleep. It's easy, no problem. But it's not good for this country. This is Canada. You know the kind of big country, any good country. But Mahmoud and Muhammad are leaving. They want to go find food they can eat. And they say they're going to find a place to sleep for the night, maybe in a park somewhere. Are you, are you going somewhere right now? I will go to try and get some food, halal food. You know, I'm Muslim, I can't eat this food. Come back. So you're going to come back? Yeah. Okay, we'll when, you, when you sit here... We walk around the camp hoping to talk to other people and meet a guy named Peter from Kenya. He's got a boombox. Peter doesn't want to answer our questions. What he does want to do is dance. By the way, that was fun dancing. That was fun! <laughs> like, he was a vibe. Yeah, it's like we learned how to reggae. Yeah. We learned how to reggae dance. You clearly have more of a beat than I do, though. <laughs> and though he's open to dancing, Peter is still not willing to talk like most of the people we're meeting here. We're getting bits and pieces of people's life stories before they stop themselves and ask if we're recording. 
and a lot of them aren't nearly as jovial as Peter is. It's been kind of hard to get other people to talk to us. To me, the most surprising thing was two women we talked to who both said they've been there for a month. Mm-hmm. I think one was from Uganda and one was from Cameroon. Yeah, and I, I mean, the woman who was talking to us, I wish she would have gone on the mic. Like, she was clearly really pissed off. She kept saying, please don't take my picture. And we we're saying, no, we, we don't have cameras. Like, we're not taking your picture. And she was kind of hiding her face because she was, she seemed to be really worried about it. She was so upset. Like, she was saying, like, we asked her where you sleep. And she points and she goes, right over there, right over there. And it's just like where there's these, like, bags and everything up against the wall. What else did she say when you were talking to her? I think to me it was just, like, the frustration. Like, I do feel like she wanted to talk to us, but she was also, like, preventing herself from doing so. Every once in a while, she would kind of, like, turn towards us and say something like, like, no one's helping us. I've been here for a month, been waiting. And I think her friend was, like, nodding, being like, yeah, same thing. While talking to Karen, I look up, and I notice a couple of new groups have arrived in the encampment. One is giving out water bottles and blankets. Good Samaritans. I also recognize local MP Kevin Vuong in the crowd. He's flanked by a few people carrying clipboards, and they seem to be going around asking people questions. I see you signing people up on clipboards. What's, what is that? What are, what are you doing? So, so that's, that's getting their information for us to be able to advocate on their behalf with the Department of Immigration. Um, that on the front page, it, it asks for what we need. It takes a little bit of time for each individual because, you know, we have to explain kind of what the entire process. They want to be able to get their their refugee status and work permit to be able to work in this country. Right. Um, and so we are helping them to, in, to advocate and get them information, status updates on that. Right. And how long would it take to get a work permit at this point? Right now, the timeline for work permits for refugees are, is three to four months. It is my hope that both because of my uh, work with conversation with the minister um, and the departmental contact that he's provided me and my office, that we're able to speed that up and get that much quicker. If you're helping certain folks being sped up, is that fair for other folks? Well, I'm, I'm here for you know the people at 129 Peter Street and any anyone, everyone, new people arriving every day. So I'm going to continue to be here every day. I think we have to be realistic here. Obviously, I would love to go around across the city, find everyone who is in need of help, get their information and do that, but my team and I can only do so much. MPs like Vuong don't oversee shelters, so one of the things that they can do is advocate for individuals on things such as work permits. But I'm left wondering how many folks there are that might not actually know Vuong's team is here. It's 10 o'clock now and getting darker out. A car pulls up with more supplies and a couple new people. We're seeing a car pull up. It's like a white car, and they seem to be taking bottles of water and other kinds of drinks out. Hi, I'm, Hi. I'm so sorry. My name is Sharice. We're journalists. We're from a podcast called Canada Land. Okay. And Wait, just... that's you I spoke to earlier. I just was too busy. Oh, oh okay. That's great. Uh, I'm great. Yeah. Good Kizito. to meet you. Good to meet you. Yeah, yeah, you're not working? That's Kizito Musabimana from the Rwandan Canadian Healing Center. He's been helping organize these church shelters, and we had spoken on the phone earlier that day. But our conversation is cut short by a few volunteers needing his help to unload their cars. So I start talking to one of them. She says she's not affiliated with any group, but has been cooking meals at home and bringing them here most evenings. Tonight, it's some sort of rice dish with a red sauce. I'm just helping. I'm here on behalf of my organization. I'm just doing this. Yeah, like I cook every day, but... There's a lot of that going on at 129 Peter Street, 
Random individuals and groups showing up with food, water, blankets, air mattresses. Suddenly, a big yellow school bus pulls up on the curb. I'm guessing this is the bus that takes folks to the church shelter north of the city. But no one's really making a move to get on the bus. Kizito comes over. This time he's holding a clipboard and looking stressed. He tells me, the asylum seekers don't want to get on. They don't want to go to the church shelter at all because someone's been telling them not to go. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, And just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. So uh, are you trying to get people on the bus now? Is that what's yeah. up? Yeah. So we're having an issue right now with uh, some of the people because we have some characters that come here and they're talking to them about staying here on the street. That's how they're going to get help. Unfortunately, some of them are listening to that. Of course, these people have been traumatized. And right. It's just ridiculous. Kazito explains there are people spreading what he calls rumors about how asylum seekers will give up their place in line for housing if they go to the church shelters. There are also rumors they're going to be forced to convert to Christianity. He's frustrated because it's not just the rumors, it's everything going on this week. We have other groups that are, that are helping. A lot of the support we are getting to maintain the church operation is not just black communities. Of course, most of it is black community. We are getting uh, donations every day. So honestly, I think the support is coming from everybody. The, frustration, my behavior on us, and of course the fact that we we see Africans here, like there's probably a couple of people that are not African, but everybody else is African. 
I was curious about that. Why exactly is everyone here African? And why aren't there asylum seekers from other places like Ukraine? It's a, a lot of different things, you know. It's the fact that our community is, is not well equipped. There is not enough resources for our community to kind of spread around. Like if you look at, the, for example, the Ethiopian community, as I was just showing you, which is well positioned, they can come as individuals and take their people. The Ugandans did their best, but the numbers are just heavy. So that's how you have the rest of the people sleeping on the street. So systemically, definitely racism. On an individual level, I, I, I wouldn't say so. But systemically, definitely, there is some racism. Because if we can do what we've done for the Ukrainians and the Syrians and, you know, the Afghans, but yet our people are here. The same week that happened, the press conference, I think, was mm. when they made the Ukrainians that sort of PR Oh, yeah. They, they, they express they express uh, visa entry. I personally just want them to do for us as they're doing for everybody. That's, that's what I want to see. I don't think this government has done that, especially the city of Toronto, but of course the federal government. And of course, we are happy with the new mayor and the fact that she seems to be very encouraged and encouraging that she's taking action from day one. So we are continuing and we're going to continue to push that they, they bring in more programs, wrap around. $97 million is not going to do it. $160 million is not going to do it. We need more than that. Kazito and the other volunteers start milling around the crowd, trying to convince some of the asylum seekers that they will be safe at the church shelter. The yellow bus is still empty. I, I gotta say, though, it's like great that community is stepping up, but crazy that like a lot of these folks' day-to-day food and shelter is being just kind of haphazardly given by the community instead of actually being organized by the government. But yeah. yeah, yeah, like the the two guys who spoke to, like the, they need halal food, and we're just like, okay, how are you going to get that? And they're like, well, you know, if we go out, like even if you don't have money, somebody knows, they understand, they give it to you. But like to be dependent on that, yeah, it must feel really strange. It must feel like horrible. Yeah, horrible. Like nobody, nobody wants to be like dependent. Yeah, like that. yeah, exactly. So what I'm curious about, based on what we heard earlier, is if anybody's, like if some people are going to stay or if people are actually going to get on the bus. Kazito and his crew managed to convince about 20 people to come to the church. There's space on the bus for me and Karen, so we hop along for the ride. It's now about 11.30 p.m. and we're heading north. Kazito and another organizer are standing up at the front of the bus giving instructions and clarifying that they are not trying to convert people. Um, some things to consider because we, we heard these questions. Anyone who is there can practice anything. So there's not going to be a connection, um, a forcing to any particular religion. It folks are non-religious, right? I just wanted to uh, let folks know that. The mood is good, all things considered. We're sitting next to a young man named John. He was watching us dance earlier. Shakira, Shakira. Shakira, Shakira. Wow. Are we going to sing? Sing. Okay. <laughs> oh, baby. I got a oh, baby. 
I tell you something, oh baby, you are the everything I have. Oh, cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. This is not a lot of fun. <laughs> Eventually, John falls asleep, like a lot of people in the bus, but not for long. It's midnight. Good job. Are you tired? I'm fine. You're fine? Yeah. Did you get a good sleep there? Yeah, I'm going to sleep, yeah. Uh, What time do you have to get up in the morning? I'd say maybe 8 or 9. So you're only going to get a few hours sleep. Are you going to get something to eat or just go to bed? This night, I don't think so. But if I see anything, I can still take. Yeah, that would be okay. Okay. Yeah. Shakira, Shakira. Shakira, Shakira. (laughs) We pull up to Dominion Church International Toronto in what looks like a block of warehouses on a dark stretch of road. Inside, there's a bright open room where about 30 to 40 asylum seekers are lounging on a hodgepodge of chairs and bedding. Lots of them were using chairs pushed together to form a sort of makeshift bed, while others were sleeping on cots or bags on the floor. We meet Pastor Eddie, who's running things around here. He looks tired. More cars pull up, dropping off more asylum seekers. You have the beds now? No, they haven't told us anything. They've just dropped in other three people now. Oh, they were dropping off people? Yes. That's a funny joke. I thought they were bringing supplies. Nice. I ask Eddie if the church is getting any funding from the government to run this operation. Not yet. 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 Not I've been here since Monday, and um, it has been a blessing being here. Because when I came to Canada, I didn't know what where I would be, and uh, we were all stranded. We didn't know where to go because the shelters were full. There was no response to those who were coming in, and so the church opened up for us to come in. And so since we have been here, we have been looked after. We have been fed. We have been given food, we have been given drinks, we get breakfast, get lunch and get supper. And then they have provided us with beddings, clothes, all the necessities that we need. And so they have made us feel comfortable, they have showed us love. I am overwhelmed. You see people coming in of different walks of life and you are amazed. Aunt Faith tells us she fled from Uganda. I'm a human rights defender, that's my work. I'm a social worker and I'm a human rights defender, so in my work, in, in one way or the other, I have rubbed wrongly with the government, yes. 
in my line of work. She escaped her home country and first went to Ottawa. Now, when I came in, I went to Ottawa. So when I went to the capital city, I told them I needed to go to immigration. So when I went to immigration, someone was directing me. They told me, no, you need to go to a shelter. So when they took me, they took me to a male shelter. And the male shelter couldn't handle me, so they contacted a female shelter. Now, being new to Canada, I didn't know my way around. The people who would see me would say, "Uh, uh, lady, you won't survive in that shelter. So I kept on moving up and down the streets. So I think this lady was packed somewhere and she copped on looking at me moving up and down. And I think she was concerned. So she asked me what was going on and then I told her, I said, okay, I'll, I'll take you in for two nights. I, I, that was overwhelming. And she has followed me up and she, I, I, I had cash, I didn't know that, I didn't have a visa, my visa card, the Ugandan visa card couldn't work here. She used her visa card to make sure I get meals, to make sure that I move from Ottawa to here. Oh, it was... Um, it sounds overwhelming. <laughs> yes, but I think I, I, I believe in God. As crazy as that story is, it seems like kind strangers reaching out to support stranded refugees has been a bit of a theme tonight. We wanted to see where Aunt Faith was sleeping tonight. Can you take us on a little tour? Yeah. The meals go the other side. Okay, yeah. We have a kitchen and we have a microwave. Oh, you have a kitchen. Okay, yeah, that's great. Yeah, we have a microwave here. We have another microwave inside there. So we warm our food stuff nice. in there. We wash our plates here. Mm-hmm. This is the kitchen. So we utilize the kitchen here. And then uh, the, the washrooms, this is for ladies. You can see. Okay. Yeah. Is there, okay, yeah. Yeah, so they, you, we are comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And you have a shower. Yes, we have a shower. We have the, we have soap. We have all the things that cool. we to, enough toilet paper and all that. So yeah. we are okay. Yeah, it's a big space. Yeah, it is. It is, and they keep it clean. So it's bigger. Like the the whole area is bigger than I thought it would be. Yeah. Because they were saying it's a church, but it's like a big. Yeah, it is. Space. This is this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is. And I know they are expecting 30 more people. And many other people have come and gone. And everybody has been catered for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you talked to Pastor Eddie? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, the first time I came, he welcomed us. He prayed for us. We were together. And he comes. That night he didn't go home. But then they all come. They work in shifts. So the members, I think some are staff members, so they come and work in shifts. So every day we have, throughout the night, we have two people who are there attending to us, and they do not sleep. It's amazing. Aunt Faith shows us her bed. It's a small mattress on the ground, surrounded by the backs of four or five chairs, creating a kind of makeshift room in this huge church hall. And she's grateful for it. There's no doubt about that. But it's also clear this is not a permanent solution. It can't be. And as it reaches closer to 1 o'clock in the morning, most of the asylum seekers in the church are trying to go to sleep. Then the last car pulls up, carrying three more people in search of a bed for tonight. Pastor Eddie lets them in. This church is just one aspect of a tenuous system of refugee support in Toronto, cobbled together by volunteer labor, donated food and supplies, 
people just giving what they can when they can. And like Aunt Faith said, it is amazing to see people come together like this. But this is also not a permanent solution. And experts say the new government funding is not going to be nearly enough to house the thousands more refugees that will be arriving in Canada by the end of the year. Just over a week after we spent the night at 129 Peter Street, the sidewalk outside the building was empty. I was told by a staffer that the asylum seekers had all found space at a church or hotel shelter, but that more were arriving daily, and staff were running out of spaces to send them to. So where will they go? There has to be a better system for refugee support, in Toronto and in Canada, one that doesn't depend on a pastor staying up all night, good Samaritans cooking food, or a group of volunteers running down the street blowing up air mattresses. I remembered what Mahmoud and Mohammed said from earlier, how they didn't see the point of going up to the church shelter because it would only be a few days before they were back on the street. It's like, it's not a, it's not a solution. It's like, we need a real solution. Safe. Uh, yeah, right Canada. Now? Yeah, yeah, safe. Okay. Very even, safe. Even on the street, you feel yeah. safety. Okay. I safety. This is good country. I like it. All right. But not like I sleep outside. Of course. Yeah. Of course not. I like it with this safety. I know that. But it's better than no, war. No, no, like anywhere, it's better than war. Yeah, yeah. It's Canada's good country. That is your Canada land. We do original reporting. We do field reporting. We try to bring you things you can't hear elsewhere. And if you value that work, please support it. We rely on listeners like you to pay for this journalism. As a supporter, you are going to get premium access to all of our shows without ads. You'll get early releases. You'll get bonus content you wouldn't otherwise get. You'll also get our exclusive newsletter, discounts on our merch. We do live events. You'll get invites and tickets to them. But look, more than any of that, you will become a part of the solution to Canada's journalism crisis. You'll be keeping our work free and accessible to everybody else. Come do it now. Join us. Click the link in your show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. You can email me. I'm at jesse at canadaland.com. I read them all. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is canadaland.com. Cherie Suturin reported today's episode with additional reporting from our editor-in-chief, Karen Puglese. Our senior producer is Bruce Thorson. Additional production and editing from Tristan Capicione. Our managing editor is Annette Ejofo. I am your host, Jesse Brown. Our theme music is by So Called. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. You can listen to Canada Land ad-free on Amazon Music, which is included with Prime. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman, found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. 
but not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.